Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. You know, we had so much fun sharing our conversation with Rob Bell on the last episode, but we also loved hearing from so many of you on Facebook, Twitter, through emails. We love the dialogue and sharing that happens in the Sandbox community. Absolutely. I mean, through this podcast, we're definitely trying to make connections with, with big ideas, but we're also trying to make connections between people. And we want you to know that you're not alone as we discover some of the remarkable people who are around us and learn from their stories together. In upcoming weeks, we're going to have episodes with the Nine Beats Collective, Shane Claiborne, and others. And we just we can't wait to share that with you. Yeah, we don't want you to miss out on any of the good stuff that's coming up. So be sure to subscribe to our mailing list for some exclusive content and also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So what did Bill Belichick call it? My Face Yearbook? <laughs> You can follow us there too. <laughs> but today, uh, we are going to be reconnecting with our friends Chris Holly and Sam Romeo, who are doctors at CD Health in Turlick, California. They started an innovative house concert series as a way of unlocking the spirit and experiencing holistic wellness. And we caught up with them a few months back, and we can't wait to share this conversation with you today. Welcome to episode 36 The Abundance of Music and Cinnamon Rolls. Well, welcome. To the Sandbox Cooperative uh, podcast. It's so good to have you guys here. Why don't you just introduce yourselves and uh, just give a little background and, and what brought you here today? I'm uh, Chris Hawley. I'm a physician and so excited to have you guys here. I'm amazed you made the road trip out here. We're excited to share this time with you and these conversations. So I'm a physician, uh, sports medicine and family practice. And then uh, in the group, which you'll hear from one of our other uh, partners, founding partners, uh, uh, we do a lot of different things. We do sports medicine, family practice, aesthetic medicine, occupational medicine, orthopedic surgery, uh, and keep expanding, expanding. You'll hear some of those mm -hmm. stories of where we've come from, where we're going. Uh, it's just an exciting, very exciting place to be a physician who wants to innovate. Very good. Thanks. My name is Sam Romeo. I'm also a physician and uh, one of Chris's partners at work here. And and enjoying the journey with great people around me. One of the things that I'm most fascinated by, uh, you guys do house concerts. Can you explain where that came from? And and also, I'm not I'm not sure. Is this directly connected to the practice? Is this something that um, you're interested in and also do because it's it's meaningful? Or what does that look like? And how did you get there? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And and. It really, it really is a direct offshoot of the spirit of the practice. That's really what it is. Okay. So there's a there's a convergence of a lot of things. There's a convergence of uh, we are all extraordinary fans of of music. Um, we had the opportunity to learn that this was even possible. This thing called house concerts that that we started doing nine years ago when it we just didn't even it, it kind of fell in our lap, and I can explain that in a bit. Um, and and it also ended up being something that um, gave us an opportunity that really, again, coming from the spirit of our organization, it it allowed us to have an impact in positive ways on some artists' lives. So mm -hmm. we could we could serve artists. We could we could help um, give them opportunities. To, from a financial standpoint, 
that was very positive for them from a from a place to uh, hang a hat, so to speak, and provide a home-like environment for them to actually, when they're on the road, to to really, really, really connect. Um, several over the years have called it an oasis. Like, well, this is really, really different. And so, as we as as we started to learn about them, we realized, wow, this is really uh, we're, we're we're uncovering more and more ways that this is this is just. An offshoot of really what our spiritual drivers are. Um, that's that's what mm-hmm. it that's what it was. Mm-hmm. The way it came about. Uh, ultimately, you need some triggering event, and that triggering event we were quite fortunate. So I went to med school at USC, and I lived in LA for several years, and happened to just love music. And so my wife and I would go out and see live music all the time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and we we liked the singer songwriter scene. We liked the artistry of it. We liked the lyrics. We liked the music. We liked the vulnerability. And so we would go out a lot. And interestingly enough, when you're in Hollywood, so this entertainment capital, and you're a physician or a physician in training, and you're young, a lot of the artists are young. They don't have health insurance, and they have little uh, little challenges with their health along the way. Oh, my rotator cuff or my shoulder's hurting, or I have an ingrown toenail or things like that. Um, when you're not in the entertainment industry, you actually add have the potential to add value to their lives. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so when you're when you're sitting in a bar and uh, and you're chatting with the bartender and they're like, "Hey, the the band playing tonight. He's such an awesome guy, but." He has this toe problem. Is you know what you could take a look at him. <laughs> you know, you would be like, sure, I'm happy to take a look at him. And so, literally, we end up having the opportunity to develop some friendships just out of serving, uh, wow. serving these people that weren't otherwise getting access to, to even simple uh, parts of the healthcare system. So, um, mm. when we moved here years later, uh, one of our dear friends we stayed in contact with. And he had reached out to us and said he wanted to come up and visit. Now, over, when we were in L.A., several in, in our group had seen this artist play and had developed a friendship and a relationship as well down in L.A. So when he said, I'd love to come up and visit, we were like, oh, that's awesome. Will you bring a guitar? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and it literally, what happened is he said, sure, I would love to. Um, and then three days later, so we, we had moved here a year and a half before, and we and so he had reached out and said, I'd love to come up. We're like, fantastic. We talked on a Friday. I said, great. Let's, when are we going to set this up? And he goes, let me call you on Monday, and we'll actually nail down a date. And he calls on Monday and said, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. I'm like, dude, you're totally blowing us off, and we haven't even seen each other in a year and a half. And he goes, no, no, you really have to hear this. And essentially what happened, he was... He was doing what many artists do, which is the free gig in the living room for another friend. Mm-hmm. He was in, in the Hollywood Hills and in walked Seal. Uh, and <laughs> so Seal, Seal came to your place. So Seal came to a oh, friend in, okay. in, in yeah. L.A. Yeah. And Seal sat down and recognized one of uh, you know, our, our friend. His name's Chris Pierce. Chris Pierce's uh, songs and, and hung out all night listening to him. And at the end of the night, Seal told Chris, he's like, you are unbelievable, and if you ever need any help, let me know. 
But that's a common story in Hollywood, and you say, mm-hmm. wow, that's a cool memory, and that's kind of the end of that chapter, except the very next morning, Seal's agent called his agent, and three days later, he was the opening act for Seal's sold-out world tour. <laughs> so our buddy <laughs> who called... Wow. Yeah, so the, our buddy who called, who said, hey, we'd love to come up and see, and we said, hey, will you bring a guitar? He said, yes, and then literally... Five days later, he's in Germany at a launch party, playing in front of ten and 20,000 people all over Europe, opening for Seal. Like you do. So that's yeah. what just you do, right? <laughs> so that's it. That was the end of our whole house concert chapter. <laughs> Done. For about two, 18 months. And then the record deal and all this other stuff later, he comes back and we're still in touch. And he said, I'd still love to come back. Mm. And so at this point, talking to my partners, all of us were extremely excited again about the idea of of having him up. And we said, will you still bring a guitar? Because we had been looking for the last 18 months at all these pictures of him playing in, you know, Mm. Mm. sold out stadiums in in Europe and literally tens of thousands of people. And we go, okay, he's going to literally be at our house like what are we going to do so we better do a good job <laughs> so we're we what just started I, planning don't suck yes. yeah, <laughs> totally we're like oh this is they were so nervous so we we started building stages for the for the yard and we have a really really we have a it we have a great courtyard for hosting people uh, that's the beauty of uh, one of the beauties of living in California is you can use your outside space uh, fairly predictably. What is this outside space you speak of? I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. in Minnesota, it's just uh, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. you can use the outside space. It's just probably you know three feet under snow. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully summer falls on a weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect. So we just went and we just started started getting ready for this show and we literally went crazy so we mm. built stages we were mounting stage lights that we had to purchase some can lights and some different things and borrowing things from friends and and uh and we put this event on and as we were getting close we we're like well we probably should have food and, and chairs mix like Ch- no we can <laughs> no this is this got to be amazing like he's been doing all these things so we r- reached out to our restaurant who caters and we created this vision of this needs to be perfect and amazing. And next thing you know, we were literally had individually plated uh, meals, 23 staff working, <laughs> 23, white literally, wow. white tablecloths, renting, uh, <laughs> renting tables and everything else for this absolutely magical night under the stars. Unbelievable wow. magic. Wow. And that was your first one. Um, it's our first one. And it really was it really was born out of fear of, of failure. <laughs> fear of failure and Don't flopping. Be lame. And what ended up happening is he he had this just incredible night. Uh, there was about a hundred people that were there in the courtyard. And it was just everything, every aspect of it, the light, everything the mood, that you had hoped the, for, everything we had hoped for. It just, yeah. it just happened. Um, and so all this work that we had put into it, and we thought, okay, we have the, we had just the right stage and just the right lighting and all this stuff, this Herculean effort for the infrastructure. And he, is, he just looked at us at the end and and just distilled it down to really a just a very simple thing. He said, "I played two hundred shows last year." This feels so good. Mm. Wow. And mm. it came down to the feeling. He mm. said, this is one of my favorite places to play. This mm. is incredible. Mm. 
And so it, it, we started exploring, wow, we spent a fortune. I have four daughters. I felt like we've, uh, this, I'm now probably going to pay for five weddings. Uh, <laughs> but and then one but, of them doesn't get to go to college. Yes. But, but <laughs> what's sometimes that's the sacrifice you need to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll yeah. be fine. Take one for the team. She'll be resilient. Yeah. So we spent a fortune and it was totally reckless and it, it, yeah. it, 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 for all this stuff. But then going back to the group, and this is where it ties into the, the medical group. We, as as a team, had decided we were going to do this, and they they laughed uh, at at, uh, at a bit of the recklessness. The magic was most important to the group. That's the spirit of the group. What we had just executed as a team, and essentially we said, "Yeah, this is really this is really important for us. We're mm-hmm. we're onto something. This connected at a, at a level that that we weren't even prepared to experience." And so at that moment, so we call Chris Pierce our Kevin Bacon, like how many degrees of separation? <laughs> right. like, you know, for, with Chris Pierce, he, he said, he goes, if, if you want to do more of these, your location is perfect. Because anytime any of us are on the road and we're doing a West Coast, we're doing a West Coast uh, tour, mm-hmm. you always do Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and LA, and there's always open dates between San Francisco and Portland. Uh, you're either going up or you're coming down. And this is a really great spot along the way. So we looked at each other and said, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) And he goes, no, I'll start introducing you to people. And then we started learning just how small Mm. the singer-songwriter groups were. Like, we had tapped into, Chris Pierce was was deeply entrenched in the L.A. scene. but the next person he brought was someone who was entrenched in the New York scene. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we started getting that person. So that person happened to be, her name was Amber Rubarth, and she ended up being the NPR Mountain Stage Singer-Songwriter of the Year. And we were completely blown away. And we're mm-hmm. like, and she said, oh my gosh, this is such a magical place. So again, we were humbled and blown away by the fact that what people are resonating with wasn't the catering. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they are resonating with is the spirit. And then we started learning that that was really the, the, the assembly of people that were filling the room. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what it boiled down to, this exchange that started happening. The energy between the people who had gathered for the, the event Lifted, and the artist. Yeah. And the artist mm-hmm. just lifted everything. It lifted everything. Yeah. yeah. So as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, my wife and I are, have started this small business and, and where we do house concerts and we're trying to kind of help build up local artists and the local music and, and give people a good space to, to play where it's not background music in the bar or background music in the restaurant. And every time, and in, in particular, the most recent one that we hosted, the comment is always, thank you so much for this space. Thank you so much for the opportunity to engage with an audience. And so much of that is is the feel. So much of that is the way that a group of people interacts together with that music as that central point. And I just keep keep thinking about that as I'm hearing you explain the way that that must have felt. Yeah, and that's I think that's that's a great highlight because that really is the essence of the whole thing. We one of we we kept every every artist seemed to teach us a new lesson and a new layer. Mm-hmm. And, and we were just open and receptive to learning this because we wanted them to be better and feel better. And, and how could we host and serve them even better? 
mm-hmm. and along their journeys. It's such an insane, it's such an insane career choice for mm-hmm. someone who, who is creative enough to f- to live courageously, to to follow their their desire to create and perform music. Like it's an ex- such an extraordinarily difficult life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, it tapped into our ability to serve them mm-hmm. uh, and support them along their journey. And for them, it was an acknowledgement of, of their art and what they're creating. And for, for what we would hear over and over, similar to you, Chris, is, is we would hear, it's amazing to have people fully engaged. We had, we had one artist who was sitting in front of us and it was a show. So our shows are usually between 50 and 100 uh, people. And he, he had played the night before in San Diego. And he sat down on a stool in front of a group of about 50. And he looked out. And he looked out. And there was this dramatic pause. And he said, I played in front of almost 3,000 people last night. And now I'm looking at I don't know, a hundred eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And he said, I am scared shitless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what he said, <laughs> literally. And he was just so vulnerable in that moment. And that that's, that's was, again, that essence. We had another person, just these, all these stories are flooding in now as, as, you, as, you, as you talk about. There's Tara Naomi. She's an artist that in 2006 is when YouTube first yep. launched, right? So YouTube started in 2006. It was this little known thing that no one knew how to use yet. And she was super innovative. And she did a YouTube tour. And every day she posted a little video just sitting like in her bedroom singing and being awesome and one of them went what we now call viral uh, <laughs> at that time no one had really bacteria was it. better but i don't know viral right. stuck <laughs> and she ended up getting she she was it was it was a it was about the environment etc al gore picked it up with his when he was doing his documentary mm-hmm. and it was all about that time anyway she was the uh, youtube video of the year that year so mm-hmm. she got a record deal and all this other stuff. Um, she, she was telling this same story differently when she said, y- when you, you can accelerate and have these massive successes or perceived success playing at Wembley Stadium, she did. And, you know, it's packed. And, she's, and yet, very shortly after that, she's playing a corporate party and she's playing to the backs of everyone there. Mm. And she told the story out of the corner of, uh, from the side off where she was standing, she heard a voice that said, get used to this. If you're gonna make money in music, uh, get used to playing to people's backs. And mm. she turned and it was Ben Harper. Mm. <laughs> and she was, that was one of her idols and she was completely blown away, but it was really a profound statement for her that mm-hmm. from a commercial standpoint, if you're gonna make money, yeah. uh, get used to, to, to just playing at people. Mm. And what the house concert scene really does is, is it, gives, it gives the capacity for just the opposite. It it's actually becomes a bi-directional exchange. Uh, we in the audience have an opportunity to live vulnerably and give to the artists with our attention 
and with 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 our vulnerability as an audience, uh, crying, laughing, engaging, um, learning, and when you do that, the artist just the blossom before you is really unbelievable. Mm. It's really a, an, an incredible experience. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one of the lessons we've learned out of that is. <clears throat> Uh, we can really coach an audience to how to be an amazing audience at a house concert. So that you show up as a spectator and you're going to receive something from an artist. But what makes for the best shows and the best experience for everyone is for the audience to really be coached into. I have to, this artist wants to pour their heart out. So I have to pour my heart out and bring that same level of energy and engagement uh, if we're going to have an amazing experience together. So a lot of times we'll talk about, and Sam does a fantastic monologue on these before every show, mm-hmm. really just to coach the audience into, yeah, we're going to do something really special tonight and create a special experience in a special place. These are some of the things that you can do that will bring this to a, a level you may have never experienced. What have you learned about your medical practice through doing this, or how has that influenced back into kind of the daily daily routine we our medical practice is built a lot of of tools um well let me let me back up we were trained in all of us were trained in western medicine we all went to uh united states uh medical schools and and we learned really amazing things about the amazing human body uh we we learned a lot about the human mind, but what was what was seemingly off limits was the human spirit. So when we got into practice, uh, we felt under-equipped to deliver really integral medicine. There's some amazing stats on this. There's if Stanford's done this research, it's been published in several places. But 70% of all office visits to a primary care clinic are directly related to unhealthy lifestyle, which is fascinating when we think about our, mm-hmm. our healthcare and our economy. Yeah. And when you get into the unhealthy lifestyle, what exactly does that mean? Well, the easy answers are, well, it's exercise and diet and all those things. And you say, okay, great, so let's teach people how to do that. So send them to a diabetic class or send them to a, a, a dietitian or have them take an exercise class. But really what that's doing is the body is, then we're trying to answer a body problem with a mind solution, but our mind doesn't govern our body. Our spirit governs both. So if we can, if we could get to the spirit level, which is the layer that inspires and motivates, and tap into that, we can leverage the spirit to help people have their minds and bodies serve their spirit. When people do that, they can live well. Mm-hmm. So what the music connection for us has been no one connects better from in our experience to directly speaks directly to spirit than artists so it's opened our eyes to a layer that we weren't equipped to to have solutions for Mm -hmm. so we started seeing this in action we had an artist amber rubarth again she was the npr 
mountain stage singer songwriter you're just an incredible writer and her story is just amazing she and is this part of the thing that we learn along these these the story she was uh we learn about these and now we're suddenly invested in their lives with her like we've become very dear friends with amber over the years Mm -hmm. but she was training under a master uh chain saw carver outside of reno (laughs) at 19 (laughs) years old literally that's amazing a common career choice yeah exactly 19 year old woman who didn't play music who was training to be a chainsaw carver and had one of those impactful impactful um conversations with her mentor at the time and he just talked to about we have this one life to lead and that you need you need to follow your passion you need to live well and he asked her what she wanted to do, and she always wanted to be a musician, but she didn't play music and never written anything. And so <laughs> she decided to do what you do in that case, and that is stop your apprenticeship as a chainsaw carver and start and grab yourself a guitar and teach yourself how to play guitar and piano and start writing music. She traded her chainsaw for a guitar. Yes. <laughs> And started writing lyrics and started playing coffee shops in Reno. And then within a few years, she's just a brilliant songwriter. Wow. She was she fantastic storyteller. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. It's, it's those types of things where you go, whoa, the, this is how vulnerable these people who were, who were doing life with are living. Mm-hmm. But then getting back to the medical aspect, we had a show where she played. And she played a song that was essentially about um, a, a person who was really, the, the song itself was about a person who was, who was really beating themselves up about their responsibility in a failed relationship. That's what the song was essentially about. So she's playing this at the piano and she's singing. And then there's this moment where a person who was attending the crowd had just was just going through a really traumatic uh, separation. And that person, you could feel it was like this center of, of, of just pain in the room mm. that almost was, you could almost see like a light in the room. There was, it was, there mm. was so much energy in that space. And Amber playing this song in the middle of singing it looked directly at her and there was an exchange. And she played this whole song. The attendees started crying. Amber was holding back her tears. She ended the song. She stood up. If you hadn't been paying attention, you would have missed why this even happened. She stood up. She walked into the crowd. And she just held her Mm -hmm. as they cried. Mm -hmm. And there was this long moment of Mm -hmm. connection. And at the end of that, everyone was aware and Amber, as creative as she is, stood up and goes, what we really need right now is a cinnamon roll. And so we all, we all looked. We didn't buy those. We were like a cinnamon roll. So we literally, she, and like looking around like, really? And then she goes, have you guys never done a cinnamon roll? And we're like, what do you, what do you mean? And she grabs that woman's hand and she walks out of the living room into the courtyard and she she's there and she has invites everyone out Mm. and so she's there holding her hand and she goes everyone hold someone's hand and she starts spinning 
And so the whole party, there's probably 60 or 70 people, starts wrapping a connected hand-holding spiral into a cinnamon roll with the mm. two of them in the middle as, mm. it, as, this, as it kept getting wider and wider. And the moment of levity during that, mm. that whole thing was just an exhilarating contrast between this extreme pain and anguish and this incredible community love that just generated right mm. of, that we were all got to be part of. It's incredible. Mm. Those are the moments that only can happen in, a, in an environment like a house concert. I'm, I'm struck by the similarity of what you're describing there. Um, if as a uh, to have an artist on a stage in front of thousands of people, you can be on stage and completely anonymous. You're you're, you're playing to the tops of heads, and you're and you're doing that. Um, I've never. I'm not a musician. I haven't done that, but I have talked in front of a lot of people like that, and it's just you can just kind of be in your lane up there to be that artist in front of a small crowd like that of course it's 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 vulnerable that that stage feels like the doctor's office that's very antiseptic and white and, and clean and and you got the couple of magazines on the thing and that's what it is you guys have created with your house show the same type of feeling uh that you have when you walk into the into your practice mm -hmm. here it's uh it's striking how you've continually going towards that that feeling of uh well, i'm going to call it uh just love and, and care for for the for the whole person yeah how about I, i'm I'm just curious because i want to like stay on this topic but switch gears a little bit i'm kind of curious um because i've i've been on on both sides of that as as performer and as audience member and seen that and there's um Certainly as a musician, there's something unique that you're drawing out, connecting with there. Um, but I'm also kind of curious, what does this look like uh, from the artist's perspective in terms of um, how are you not only kind of in some ways caring for the audience well, but caring for the artist well? There's a, there's a couple of things that, that we do just to start it out. We set a tone bef well before the event. And we do it with all the artists that come. Uh, and that is we just, we, we create a contrast between their usual gigs and, and what the potential magic is of a gig w with our house, with our, with our community, with our tribe, mm -hmm. with, our, with our group. Um, we take care of all the ancillary pieces for them so that it's like they're just coming home. So we set up rooms. We get hotel rooms for them. Um, that's not something that's ever covered by them when they're on the road uh, by any venues. Most venues, unless they're wildly successful, but even then the venues aren't, they're not paying for that. We do that. Uh, we have gift baskets in their room before, so they show up. There's personal handwritten cards by kids and, mm -hmm. and, and really, really personal statements about what they're doing. Uh, so when they literally show up in our town, they're greeted with the warmth of, whoa, this is really, really different. Um, one, of, one of the artists uh, was, came a year apart, and he still had a card in his guitar case that he had received the year before at, at, mm -hmm. our, at a house concert. Mm -hmm. 
and it was written by a child who had made who had who had made a guitar notebook. So they had made a guitar front and back cover and then put notes in it the shape of a guitar and they said when you're on the road if you need to write songs. <laughs> and he carried that 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 notebook uh, with him all over the world for a year. Wow. Uh, so it's it's setting that initial stage for a uniquely different experience. Um, it's coming in as we typically will have dinner with them or invite them to dinner at least, depending on what their timing is, where again, we're starting to create community and welcoming them into our community before they step on stage. Mm. And, and then we, 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 we tell them a little bit about what to expect. Uh, we, we share with them that this is a group that really cares about the why. Uh, we want we want to personally invest in in your music and in your story, and the more more you're willing to share that with us, uh, the more receptive and the more open the audience will be with you. So we set an expectation on both sides, and th- that is not something difficult for them to do at all. They're not used to that type of attention, so they're just not used to people even communicating that way. Um, yeah. There was one artist who who, who shared they th- after the experience and even after the intro of how we challenged the, our audience to be an amazing audience, said, "This reminds me of one place, and it was in Pennsylvania somewhere. I can't remember the name of it, uh, but they said this is a this is a commercial venue, but every single night, the husband and wife step out on stage." and actually challenge the audience, uh, not the band. And they said it's the best place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we really do it both ways. We do that with the, with the audience, and we do it with the, with the, we set the expectation with the artists as well. Uh, mm. And to put some language, even more language to that, everything we do uh, in our medical practice and in the house concert is really a spirit-mind-body intervention or... or that lens is put on all the, the decisions we make. So we're inviting an artist into our world, and we're going to give them things that lift their spirit, their mind, and their body. And once we've gotten that whole person approach, what it allows us to do is co-create a new world together. Mm. So it's not just, hey, come to our show and leave. It's like we've both created something new that we all like the vision and direction of that. Like, what if life could be like that all the time? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So we create those moments, uh, and those moments have legs, and those that that continue to surprise us uh, on the tentacles of, of mm. how that impacts the world. And we, we love that. Mm. That makes us mm. thrilled. Yeah, it's interesting that the artists now, and speaking back to how small the communities are, um, we now uh, well, I'll get random texts uh, from people or emails that said, "Hey, a friend of mine played uh, said that, that that coming out and meeting you folks is just really a fantastic experience. Um, I'm touring on such and such a date. Wanted to know if you have any interest in having a show. So we once you once you create that environment." And you cre- and reproduce that experience. Um, the artists will actually start sharing it with their with with their groups as well, and then it grows even more. Mm-hmm. Another told us once, like we spend in this person who's been around for about twenty years now, uh, multiple albums, said 
we spend our entire careers looking for places like this. I promise you, I will never send you anyone who doesn't honor that. Mm. And that was such a that was such a beautiful thing to say. It was so honoring of what you're what you're creating. Here. Yeah, what our team has yeah. been able to put together together. Yeah. Mm. I I also keep hearing uh, a word that you haven't said, but it kind of if I'm reading between the lines, the the word presence, and and being present to one another. Uh, does that does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what your talk is at the beginning? Just being present um, to what's happening here? Yeah, I think Sam's talks are really about bringing people into, we can have a really significant moment together Mm -hmm. right now. And this could be a transformational place and space and event for you Mm -hmm. that will have a lot of legs for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that we've got to do to make that happen. And and as we've done more and more of these, people come with that expectation. Uh, this is what we do at this space and place. Mm-hmm. And this may carry me when I'm on a grinding business trip, selling something that I don't even care about, that I'm not passionate about. Those are the, those are the expectations that, that are created in those spaces. Mm-hmm. People, people take those with them. Yeah, when we first started, the worry was always about the stuff. Uh, what drinks do we have? What food do we have? Uh, what color are the candles? Uh, all those things that really mattered that didn't matter. Um, and, mm-hmm. and what we now know is what we really bring is, is a, a collection of people that are willing to, to, to be vulnerable and open up to the artists. And so as, as we've done this year after year after year, what's actually happened over the years is we've gotten, we've evolved significantly but the biggest evolution is actually is in the crowd. Mm. Our crowd's amazing. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. a, it's just an amazing group of people, amazing people. Uh, mm. from different walks of life with different, different careers and different, all kinds of differences, but just the ability to, to, to be vulnerable and yeah. to be open and to be present. Be present. Mm. What else should we know? I think the, to me, the experience is, is uh, I guess, if, if you haven't been to a house concert before, to me, the experience is literally like talking about food. And you can, you can not die of starvation by eating fast food. But I think we would all just intuitively know that it's probably not the best for us mm-hmm. Uh and then contrast that from a from a culinary standpoint with a chef who's an artist who comes out to your table uh, prepares you your first course explains the pairings of the foods and the vegetables and and and, and the drinks and and plates it in a way that's beautifully presented that the first bite just tastes better before you've even put your fork in it it's just it's the experience, it's the contextualization of the meal that starts becoming magical. I think that's really what house concerts mm. are like. Mm. It's, it's you're seeing the artists in their element do what they do, and their spirit f- just ignites, which is such a, it's such a better way to experience that. Mm. 
Cool. I, I, that feels like the perfect spot to land it. It just really <laughs> it does. Great. I was just like, oh, great. there's not a darn thing. I think, we, I think we got it. Brene Brown once said, vulnerability is not about fear and grief and disappointment. It is the birthplace of everything we are hungry for. Dr. Chris and Dr. Sam talked about the vulnerability of the artist trying to make a living who finds herself on a small stage in an intimate setting. The invitation to the audience to let down their guard and be vulnerable with the artist, open to the message and the gift that she has to share. But see, the magic happens when there's an exchange, when the artist and the audience meet in their weakness and discover that they are not alone. I mean, this project, their work, it's about house concerts, but it's more than house concerts. It's about activating and lifting spirits. It's about encountering generosity, sharing, abundance, joy. And from what I can tell, all that good stuff begins with an invitation to vulnerability, which may be what Brene Brown was talking about all along. It is the birthplace of what we are hungry for. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. It was great to talk with Chris and Sam about the innovative ways that they continue to bring healing to their community. We have lots of exciting new things coming up in the next few months, but one of the episodes we're most excited about is coming out on March 1st, an interview with some of the people behind the Nine Beats Collective. You'll hear some familiar voices, including our friends and live event guests, Heather Lynn and Mark Scandrett, who are part of this project to create songs and art exploring the ancient wisdom known as the Beatitudes. For that and other things going on in the Sandbox, sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There is always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the Sandbox. 